Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. It's week six of the Notre Dame football season. This is Irish Illustrated Insider brought to you by irishillustrated.com. Notre Dame traveling to Raleigh, North Carolina this week. And guys, it sounds like after talk of maybe the game on Friday, maybe the game on Sunday, Hurricane Matthew has steered north a little bit. And it sounds like there isn't even going to be much uh, wind and the rain forecast is diminishing. I'm I'm all for that because... I. There's, I have no interest in walking around North Carolina State's right. campus. Do we know, is it an open-air press box? Did we ever get that That has not clarified? been confirmed. Uh, Notre Dame Sports Information Director Mike Birch said that the last time he was there, they were actually renovating it, so he's not really sure no. what the new format is. So we'll see, but it sounds like we're not going to be getting slammed regardless. If only Irish Illustrated would have had a former worker that grew up in the Raleigh area and yeah. parents were season ticket holders, we probably could have asked this question. Yeah. So many, but... No one would like that. She's not a depressed body. That's true. Um, in terms of this week, the news aside from Hurricane Matthew was Mike McGlinchey saying he wants to come back for a fifth year. Uh, of course, we followed up with Deshaun Kaiser on the same line of questioning whether you want to come back for a fourth year. And he's like, yeah, I'm not really talking, thinking about that. Um, but McGlinchey coming back for a fifth year, I... I don't think it's a surprise to anyone that knows Mike McGlinchey, which most people who do mock drafts do not. Um, you know, it. I think his perspective on it was certainly different than Will Fuller's last year, which was just, of course I'm coming back. Why are you asking me? McGlinchey's was more, I'm not good enough to be right. to thrive in the NFL yet, and I need an extra year with Harry Heastan. So that, to me, that makes it completely different than Fuller last year or Stefan Tewitt. And- a year earlier. In our impression of Mike McGlinchey is he's a very, a very self-aware human being. Yes. And so so that fits. Does it mean he's definitely coming back? Obviously not. It's very early in the process. But I think when, to, to just say, well, that's what Will Fuller said last year, that's, I mean, we're, it's kind of apples and Yeah, I mean, yeah. it's, yeah, it's apples and oranges and it's a... It, it would appear to us it's a much different situation for Mike McGlinchey. And I, I, I was never fully on board before the year of him leaving early. I, I think Pete said it best. If it's good enough for Zach Martin to become a first-round yeah, pick, it could be good enough point. for you. Although, certainly there's a better chance of McGlinchey leaving after graduation than the other guy we want to talk about, Quentin Nelson. I cannot think of, we just thought about, said this before the podcast, a true junior guard that played two years that left early. Doesn't make any sense. Demetrius Jackson, <laughs> yeah, and he probably could have yeah. come back too. Yeah. <laughs> but it's it, yeah, it'd be very strange to see Quentin Nelson leave. So I think Notre Dame fans, aside from the trigger man, are going to be pretty happy about what's returning. Here's what I say: Next year, I tweeted out the starts returning for Notre Dame's offensive line this year, let, let, or and next year. This year, 27 starts, low of the BK era. Next year, 92 starts with McGlinchey and Nelson back. Who liked those tweets? Quentin Nelson's mom, which is good, and Brandon Wimbush, who will definitely be liking that stat next year when he's probably Notre Dame's starting quarterback. So it's it's sad that maybe we're talking about next year to open our podcast on October 6th, but that's the kind of season Notre Dame's having right now. And part of the reason they're having that kind of season is 
because right, of the twenty some starts on the offensive <laughs> yeah, line. Those minutes. starts and the fact that the running game has not clicked, and we've sort of been talking about it all week to Brian Kelly to players. I think when you look at Notre Dame's run game statistically on paper, as I'm going through all my spreadsheets, it looks fine um, because when they're in sort of their base personnel. Three receivers, one tight end, one back. They're averaging six yards a carry, which is great. But when you watch the games, I don't think it passes the look test nearly as much as we thought that it would when the year started. Yeah, you, I, I wrote this the other day. Nording's more likely to convert a third and ten than they are a third and two. <laughs> and that may, that's a, that's probably an exaggeration statistically, but you know you don't, you don't have, from you don't, there. You don't have the faith in the third and two right. handoff. And, and I well, either, and neither yeah. does... Neither does the offensive. You're running play twelve callers. yards to pick up the two. <laughs> yeah, that's good. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's. I mean, we're going to be going back and forth forever on the sideways rushing attack and its merits, and then we'll get somebody to tell us that it works for Baylor and all these type of things. But there, Mer- merits, <laughs> yeah, plural, <laughs> plural merits. Every once in a while, it works. But yeah, I mean, it, look, this they are going dangerously close to becoming a true pass first team, and I don't mean. Pass a little more than run. I mean, they they prefer to pass so much more, and that's the that's the opposite of last year. That's the opposite of 2012. It, it's what happens when they get in trouble and when they have five the or offensive six numbers indicate yeah. that you know it's as imbalanced as it as it's been at any point in the Brian Kelly era. Notre Dame, and if you go and look at his numbers at Cincinnati, they were really imbalanced. Yeah. So that's where he made a name for himself. That's how he got the Notre Dame job. Um, that's that's his DNA, man. I mean, we know it. It, it we we. We talk about this every year, right? A couple times during the season. It's his DNA, and that's where they are right now, especially when you have an NFL-level quarterback. One thing interesting, though, that Pete brought up, and I kind of this stat loosely relates to it. You asked Brian Kelly, your play action is still effective despite a... Your running game stinks, but your play action is still effective. Yeah. And, you know, obviously you took umbrage to the first part. But it's interesting <laughs> that Notre Dame is averaging... It's an impressive stat. They're averaging 16.4 per catch, which is extremely high. It's in the top five of the nation. The three of the other four are option teams. You know why that is. You run the ball so much, you catch teams, sure. and you yeah. just throw downfield. You're only running play action. Right, and the other one is Toledo, which is the third best offense of the country and is actually balanced. So Notre Dame, the play action, the threat of the run, the actual threat, even if it doesn't exist, of the run being their weapon is still there because that's what is opening these things. That's why these dig routes are open. That's why you're getting downfield 18-yard catches because they are respecting Notre Dame's running game. Maybe they won't have to continue going forward. Maybe Stanford will realize that's not the most important part of defending Notre Dame, but so far, other teams haven't. Yeah, and I think that was one of the interesting narratives that came out of this week is essentially, why are teams defending you like this? This doesn't make any sense. Um, maybe that will change against NC State, but I don't get why teams play Notre Dame the way that they do defensively because if you have an NFL quarterback and receivers who clearly are putting it together very quickly, I would... Take that extra guy out of the box all the time, or most of the time, and I, I think that's that is also one of the reasons why Notre Dame run game has struggled. If there's an extra guy in the box, if there are seven guys there instead of six, it's just harder to run. And you know, it, it, do you need to force it just to say that you did? Probably not. Um, but sometimes, certainly the run game. Sometimes certainly the run game can be better than it has. Well, been. Kelly said that that. Uh, the style of defense that's being played against them, at least at the early portion of the season, is because of the young receivers. I just, I, I mean, Notre Dame produces, Notre Dame has a, a passing game every year. Again, especially when you have an NFL level quarterback, I agree with you, Pete. 
that part of it doesn't make sense to me. Now, it's interesting that NC State, you know, what you see is what you get. They're going to be in a four-man front. They're, they're going to show blitz more than they're ever going to blitz. They'll show it a lot, but they, they don't do it a lot. And so it's going to be, it's either going to be a 4-3 a, a, a front or a 4-2-5. And it's just a matter of, you know, lining up again. They're going to line up and you're going to have to beat them man on man. Well, that's, I mean, that's the perfect time to, to try to get this running game going enough with the passing I, game. I right? understand. And, and you know, uh, NC State's numbers are good against the run, but when they had to stop the run against East Carolina and their only loss, they did not. In the in the game winning drive, I, I really think that you know I think that NC State's defensive front is a little overrated, but Notre Dame's ground game isn't as good as we expect it to be. So that's kind of a wash. See, tell me if you can tell me who these four people are: David Washington, Philip Nelson, Steve Cluley, and John Wolford. Well, Philip Nelson's the quarterback at East Carolina, and he those ripped the, them apart. Those yeah. are the four quarterbacks yeah. North Carolina State has played. Now, if I put Deshaun Kaiser on the list, you'd be like, "Oh yeah, I know who that is." Yeah, and and Philip Nelson is clearly the best yeah. of that yeah. of that group. He he's actually he was pretty impressive. But uh, yeah, I, I thought the exact same thing when I was going over that. That wow, Deshaun Kaiser is a huge step up from what NC State has seen. One note on Equimini St. Brown as we talk about the receivers and like, why are they defending in this way? At the same point in their careers, Equimini St. Brown has as many receiving touchdowns as Will Fuller. If he goes over 100 yards this weekend, he will have three straight 100-yard games. Will Fuller only did that once in his entire Notre Dame career. So, Equimedia St. Brown is tearing it up, and I think at some point defenses are going to have to adjust to that in the same way they adjusted to Will Fuller, and then maybe the running game is going to look like it did last year when you're just getting four or five yards every play, and then you can make a move opposed to these safeties just firing off with like really reckless abandon to try to get in the backfield because they don't think anyone's going to beat them deep. Clearly, Notre Dame could do that. When you and I and Tim here, people are going to adjust to Equinemia St. Brown and Notre Dame's going to be able to run the ball. Brian Kelly hears C.J. Sanders, yeah. Torrey <laughs> Hunter Jr. Right. <laughs> other, somebody else is going to be open. That's his <laughs> progression, is. right? It I tell is. you what, this is a cross-route bonanza potentially for Notre Dame. With Saint, with, with exactly Saint Brown and, and Hunter too. They're fun to watch uh, this Sanders. year in the passing game, though. I will say all this thing that we're saying about the running game. Dory's passing game is fun to watch to see how they hit the middle of the field. It it's really is. Different. And NC State wants to play man, but I don't know that they do, they don't do it that well. And East Carolina, for what it's worth, hit a couple big wheel routes to their running back, and so they're a little bit vulnerable in that area as well. Yeah, it's. I mean, offensively, NC State. With you know Finley at quarterback, I mean he's been so good that they named the stadium after him uh, just after four <laughs> games. I mean, thirty it, years before he was born. Yeah, I know. It'll be honoring Carter and Notre Dame's uh, or NC State starting quarterback. You know, nine. I think he's at nine TDs, zero interceptions, put up three hundred with three TDs against Wake Forest, which is which is good, especially if you look back at how Notre Dame kind of got gummed up by Wake Forest last year in South Bend. So it's. I'd be curious to see what matchup NC State can push Notre Dame around with there because their running back is very good. Uh, and then Samuels, they're sort of do everything, utility knife, kind of a Jose Akendo type of uh, <laughs> <Nice>. offensive players. <laughs> Could have gone Steve Bell. Yeah, yeah, only more valuable <laughs> than Jose Akendo. Yeah, yeah. Ever I mean, was. we're into the baseball playoffs now. So let's go back to that. Um, I think he's, is he, he had 16 touchdowns last year, and nine of them were rushing. 
which is obviously very weird for someone listed at tight end. Well, he's uh, is he listed at tight end now? Because in the preseason, he, he was listed at fullback. No, oh, he was listed okay. as a fullback, and he's not. I, they, they do run, uh, you know, split backs, but he really is. They they put him everywhere, and he's a he's a matchup issue now. He's had a bit of a foot problem and hasn't, uh, not a foot odor problem like. Uh, <laughs> Where do you want to go with that? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Where are you going? Uh, uh, George Costanza's father. Uh, uh, <laughs> that's pretty sad that that pops in my head. Uh, a bit of a foot problem that has limited his carries. We want to edit that out, Jack? No, no. We'll keep that in. Yeah. So, you know, he may be a little bit limited in what he does in the ground game, but they use him in a lot of ways. And he is a he is a matchup problem, and he's a guy that absolutely will find any gap that you have in your coverage. Yeah, I'm curious to see, like, how Notre Dame defends him. Because you just, can you stick James on a wallow on him? Um, can you stick Morgan on him? I don't think Tavon Coney's probably going to keep up, but I think it's a tough matchup. I mean, no, it's, be... a tough, it's a tough matchup because yeah, he's yeah. 5'11. 223 or something like yeah. that, 225, and he, he he's physical and he's quick. You know, they've had a couple receivers develop that I don't think that they necessarily thought would develop it at this point. Steven Lewis is one kid. He's got good size. Uh, he's, he has downfield ability, kind of like Edatawo. And uh, Kelvin Harmon, who's another young receiver that's done some good things. So they've really, in a short period of time, they've expanded their number of weapons early in this season. You, it's interesting you mentioned Anwalu and Morgan for defending him because I think Notre Dame safeties are going to struggle with him when they get in space. Oh, yeah. Okay. It's yeah. it's just the physicality of him versus the freshman safeties. And, I mean, you know, Fertitta's a physical guy, but it's not that same type of – he's a physical special teams come up make a hit. He has he has a grit to him, but that's not the same thing as getting muscled by Samuels. Right. But, you know, I, I you mentioned the outside receivers. Do you think it's Vaughn and Pride most of the game? It was last week. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's uh, you know, kind of – Asked BK about this on Tuesday because well, the other week he was like, "Well, you can't take a guy from zero snaps to seventy snaps." I'm like, "Well, Pride got sixty. That What's was the difference." Great, that was a great call yeah. out on your part. Yeah. You owed him one though. Yeah, I owed a couple. Him. Yeah, they jumped on me before. Um, it's I, I think those are probably. I mean, if you're a nickel and Cole Luke is your nickel, I think your your two best corners are probably Pride and Vaughn. Yeah. I mean, definitely Vaughn. I mean, Vaughn played eighty snaps, which is. Almost insane. Um, they didn't ask him to do a lot, which was smart on their it's part. Fine, don't. <laughs> um, you know the way Notre Dame's defense is changing, and I think you'll see this as the season goes on. Is their linebackers are going to be targeted more and more because their safeties are going to be back so far that right. they're not going to be in a, right. in a position to be targeted. I think I had Morgan being targeted. I think eight times um, against Syracuse, which is basically how many he was in the previous four games. I think that's how the structure of Notre Dame's defense is changing. He was outstanding in pass coverage. Yeah, he's very good. Um, and, I, you know, it's interesting to hear Greer Martini say the just last night that, you know, we're, we're running fewer plays, but we know them more. We're better at those plays. And I think it's very easy to just say, all right, linebackers fan out backwards, safeties get deep, corners play quarters. I think that's just how Notre Dame is defensively right now. I, I mean, I, I realize that, you know, that's what they did against Syracuse, and they contained it. I just think it's in Brian Kelly, even when I asked him directly on Tuesday, you know, can you, basically can you play that kind of coverage against NC State? He said it's very difficult to do that just because of what they do, the way they find the gaps, and the way they create things after they make the catch and, and have some, some room to, to maneuver. 
I'd rather have, I'd rather keep it. I know it's not perfect. I'm not saying they're going to hold well, up 35 points. I'm saying that if you keep things in front of you and make tackles, right, there's well, going to be some huge gaps when Notre Dame starts doing different things with their secondary, trying to figure out how to stop NC State. I, I agree. So at least start out that way, yes, and if you have yeah. to adjust from there, that's what you do. Make them beat you first, and then if you have to adjust, you have to adjust. Right. Yeah, I think and look, I think you'll see a lot more 4-3 stuff this week than you did last week just based on the opponent. I mean, what their game plan in terms of personnel and how it was aligned on the field make perf- made perfect sense last week. Um, it wouldn't make perfect sense to me this week. Uh, and I, I think they... You know, you get more of a, can you get Jay Hayes, Rochelle, Bonner slash Tillery, Jones slash Cage in there at the same time? Then I think NC State's probably going to have a really hard time running the ball. Because yeah. that is a formidable front four. And then you have Morgan Anawalu trying to pick up Samuels somewhere, you know, in the flat. I think they can manage that too. So, I you know, Notre Dame's front, I think, should play really, really well. It's like, it, and it, it's the same question that we've had all year. Can they stop the deep ball that they seem to give up once a game? And can they give up just once a game instead of three times a game? If they can do that, I think they should be okay. If if Nordame, kind of dipping back to what you were talking about, Tim, as far as coverage, if Nordame plays that same coverage the whole game against NC State, Ryan Finley will complete yeah, 85% yeah. of his passes. I don't mean you do nothing, but I, I, I really think that keeping it simple is what is all it's all they have. I'm not saying like this is I, some no, genius I idea. I agree. I'm I just, just think it's that, all they have. I'm just saying that I, I agree yeah, with what yeah. you're saying. I'm just saying that Finley is a completion machine right. and he, he will take advantage of that if you give him room with the receivers. Yeah, I think the I mean the change up to me for the defense now, I think in the past it was play base and the change up was Blitz seven guys. Now I think the the changeup is play base and drop eight guys because Syracuse couldn't do they a damn thing no, last week against a three man rush. I think I had them. They finished at eight of fifteen for fifty five yards. I mean they could not move on the three ball. man rushes. On three man rushes, they couldn't do a damn thing. So I would I would do that. And if you're a completion machine, but you're completing three yard passes. That's fine. I think you, I think you're, you take that all day. Yeah, I just think it's the default. It's what you have now. And I go back to what Brian Kelly said. The master plan was there's going to be yards against us. Make them kick field goals. And that really, that's really the master plan now. They just don't have it. It's, look, they really don't have any other recourse. And they played that defense better than they played the other defense. Mm-hmm. That's how I look at it. I don't, I I'm not at saying At least it. you can go into this game. At least you've got a, a, a base to have some confidence yeah. with, right? They I mean, should, I, they you do, know, yeah. those, uh, Pride and Vaughn should walk out there with a hell of a lot more confidence than they did last week, although they're confident kids to begin with. All right, well, I think that would be a good segue into the Tim O'Malley formula of the week. It's intact because, as we know, teams keep scoring points even with the change. So we start at 21 because, as we've discussed, there is definitely a living, breathing quarterback mm-hmm. involved in this. Ryan Finley, 72%. Completion percentage on the year, nine touchdowns, no picks, and a touchdown. That's 28. Yards are very important to Brian Kelly. He told us that yesterday. They average almost 500. You know who averages more? NC State. Add another touchdown. That's 35. This is a true road game. Brian Kelly has won five of his last 14. Add another touchdown. That dates back to starting 9-3, by the way, through the 2012 season. That's 42 points already. However, as Pete Sampson found out in the summer through some research, head coach Dave Doran is 0-18 in his career in the United States against a Power 5 conference team that finishes over 500. I'm going to go ahead and 
dropped two touchdowns back oh, down to 28 yeah. on that Whoa, one. Yes. That's fair. That's yeah, fair. It, it is fair. Also fair, Notre Dame is an underdog. Brian Kelly is 3-9 and nine against the spread as a road underdog. Can you remember, do you know the last time he won it? It all came early. Oklahoma? Yeah, Oklahoma's the last oh, one. Oh my goodness. The other two came before, yeah. Other, one was uh, USC, his first year, and Michigan State in 2012. Oh. So, add a touchdown, we're back up to 35. The last time I flew towards a storm, <laughs> and thus was in wind and rain walking to a game, I saw, and I'll show you guys this, this is bad radio, but it's good for you guys, I saw a man at Clemson walking a duck. There he is. See that guy? That <laughs> guy and his duck. So yeah, a man I can confirm that Tim actually has this on. If it quacks, yeah. it's a duck. It quacks yeah. a duck. I found that interesting. Let's add two points. So they have yeah. 37. This is the 50th anniversary, Tim Priester tells me, of Carter Finley Stadium. To, to the, the day. day. To the day. That is so interesting, I add zero. 37 <laughs> still. <laughs> NC State has a great punter. They call him the perfect punter. A.J. Cole. One return all year. Six yards against him. Averaging almost 50 yards. Tyler Newsom is a very fun guy to interview and a really good punter. This is kind of like in 1982 when Kit met Carr in Knight Rider. It's the irresistible force mm. and the immovable object. What happens when those meet? I don't know. It's got to keep it at 37. So, as I said, the last time Notre Dame won as a road dog was Oklahoma. NC State has nothing in common with Oklahoma. Right. So I'm, <laughs> color red. I'm giving them Ish. a chance because of that. However, this Notre Dame team has nothing in common with the 2012 team that was able to upset teams on the road. That keeps NC State's total at 37. When other teams score 37, it's a problem for Notre Dame. They have never beaten a team that scored more than 30, 27 offensive points on the road. In the Brian Kelly era, 37-35 NC State, formulas intact. I I am going the opposite of that because I think this is just going to be a funky game that just like you're like oh god it may be uncomfortable but not not in a, not in a Syracuse for five minutes wow. away. it will resemble football it'll yeah resemble it'll be football. football but like more of a, a like a Notre Dame Purdue or even a Notre Dame Virginia type game um, so I, I like Notre Dame to win more of a low scoring how did that happen type thing look has this season been so like have we nailed every prediction that you'd be like. Pete Sampson, your prediction is invalid because it's just too crazy. So I'm going Notre Dame 24, NC State 19. In, Notre- in a game that just really doesn't make any sense. Ooh, within boy. a season that doesn't make a whole lot of sense. No respect for math. Well, well, I, well I'm glad it's not going to resemble the first half of Syracuse. Because if I had to watch for that every minutes. week... If I had to watch it every week, I'd, I'd be uh, I'd have a cooking website, not not a, not a football website. You and Diaco, me yeah. and Diaco. Uh, although he's well, a foodie, that's why Greg Hudson is so good. He's pro cake, much like Bob Diaco. Uh, I just I think it's just a really difficult game to handicap because I think both both programs are underachieving. I mean, NC State certainly under Dorn and 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 Brian Kelly this year up to this point of. Of this season, yeah, the 0 and 18. I mean, it's just outrageous. Um, it's made up. <laughs> didn't we say, O'Malley, that I mean, how do you not take over in every Notre Dame game until proven otherwise? I still think it's going to go under. I, I, I so I'm saying, yeah, Pete's on. They're due. I don't know about that much. That's way under. That's like seven. That's like 17 points under uh, the line. Or you went under is, but... the three touchdowns too. Or is there, are they? Is Deron Jones blocking two extra points and you can get three touchdowns mm-hmm. out of this? Oh, yeah. that's, okay, that's good. That, that's what it is. So the preview will be out on on Friday with with all of our picks. But I. I you know, NC State was the upset special I picked in the preseason. History has shown that when I pick an upset special in the preseason and then go against that pick the week of the game, 
I'm wrong. Yeah. <laughs> what uh, happens when you history pick it also in? shows? Yeah, are you just wrong by both ways? Yeah, like, history okay. also shows that when I pick against Notre Dame, so really, they win. Yeah. So Brian Kelly right. should be like Tim. Could you take one? For so the it's team? a wash. So um, they are favorites. So it's going to. So it's going to end in a tie in regulation and probably go about seven overtimes. That just sounds like a great way well, to end this trip to North Carolina. <laughs> and a great way to end segment one. So segment two, we got questions of our readers next on Irish Illustrated Insider. Burning up the boards is segment two of Irish Illustrated Insider. And we start with a question from Dean21161. Brent Kelly mentioned that it's difficult for a school like Notre Dame to accumulate a lot of fourth-year juniors and fifth-year seniors. He mentioned that Stanford will be coming in with a mature and experienced team later this month. Surely Notre Dame's talent, or Stanford's uh, talent, Notre Dame's talent uh, are rivals to each other. How is it that Stanford and others can accumulate the number of these upperclassmen and Notre Dame struggles in doing that? I mean, it's got a bunch of different reasons. What I mean, one of them is you can't have fifth-year seniors if you're playing all your freshmen, and Notre Dame continuously plays more freshmen than maybe it should or needs to. Um, so that's part of it. Part of it is institutional. At a lot of schools, you don't need to earn your undergraduate degree in four years. So if Notre Dame's football players took four and a half years to earn their degrees, well, Notre Dame would have a lot more fifth-year seniors at that point because they wouldn't have an option. The flip side, and this is something that's really important to Notre Dame, is that maybe you'd have guys leave and your graduation rate goes down because they wouldn't have earned those degrees in three and a half or four years. So I, it's there's some give and take there, but I do think Notre Dame would be better off if they had more fifth-year seniors, as Brian Kelly thinks, but... Brian Kelly can take the first step in there. He can re- have redshirted Konishwenke or Romeo Okwara or Julian Okwara or Khalid Kareem, just one of those two. Because um, it, it certainly seems to be working out just fine on the offensive line. Why wouldn't it work out on the defensive line? I, I don't get that. The Konishwenke thing was the worst of all. Because clearly he had they put 70 pounds on him to become a different football player, and then they threw him in against Purdue just because Stefan Tewitt missed class. I it mean, was worse than Romeo? Romeo, the one thing I think we always forget about Romeo, it was bad because they threw Romeo on kickoff return or kickoff coverage, and he didn't even know what to do. Kelly admitted it. Romeo, though, got activated because Spond was missing for the first okay. two games that he was the backup linebacker. So he had to be, they had to have a backup linebacker, but that doesn't mean you got to play him in those first right. two games. And Julian Acquara is the one now that is going to be running down covering kicks. And that's all he's going to be doing. Well, this is another example of where football program and school are on different sides. I mean, school is promoting graduating in three and a half years. And what, I mean, most of the guys, most of the guys are it's, in a position. It's hard, to not, it's hard not to do it. Right. Um, I think that they would be better off pushing it to four, like a full four. Uh, but I mean, also you run into the graduation because if you're going to go pro early or you're going to try to like. Pretty much everyone after their senior season goes, they want to get out of here and start training. Some of them are still taking some classes to wrap up, and that's okay. But it's just Notre Dame wants the high grad. The high graduation rate is one of, if not the most important thing. Um, and the sooner you get kids to graduate, the higher graduation yeah, rate you're yeah, going to have. I agree with that completely, and that should not ever change. There's four positions, and one of them is going to cause a problem when I say it. You do not need to sit a freshman because if he's any good, if he's as good as you want him to be, 
He's not staying for a fifth year. Running back, there is no such thing unless you, like Julius Jones, had to transfer out and come back in. Right. There's no such thing as a fifth year running back that's really good at Notre Dame. CJ Procise jump ship too. So that yeah. it's just not happening. Cornerback, again, Darren Walls came back for a fifth because that's because he had to miss a year. Gary Gray was worse as a fifth year. You don't have a lot of good cornerbacks. Wide receiver is impossible to bring back a guy for a fifth year without a major injury as a senior, you know, something that really throws him off. I didn't think career. of who was a redshirt who then came back, like a traditional redshirt. I can't think of one. I can't either. I mean, without extenuating circumstances, circumstances yeah. it just does not happen. And finally, quarterback. Because I know the reason to redshirt a quarterback is to give them hope so they don't transfer right away. Because, hey, I have four years left. I'm a, I'm a three years left. Yeah. I'm a sophomore. Name the good fifth year quarterbacks in Notre Dame. Yeah. What was that, Jarius Jackson? He was. He left. He was a senior. Yeah. Lou played him. Ron Paulus and Joe Montana, which is a different era. <laughs> so he was good, but that's not... I mean, D-line, O-line, you do it. Linebacker, it's if your body's ready. But if you're a good linebacker, you're going too. I mean, all those guys would have left. And, and here's the thing. We were talking about this before we went on the air. This is a... There are a shortage of fifth-year seniors this year, but usually they have... Twice as many, or three times yeah. as many as they do now. Zach so, Martin, Chris Watt, so the, Harrison the, Smith. I mean, you, you have he's had good fifth year right. seniors. The, it's the, not the bottom line is it's not it's not really that important or that pertinent as it relates to whether Nordim's good or bad in football. This year is probably randomly just a weakness, right? I mean, it's Jerron Jones, Mark Harrell is a career backup, and Scott Daly who doesn't impact the game other than on special teams. Yeah. So it's it's just a random year where I mean last year they had Joe Schmidt, Matthias Farley, and they had him a couple more. But the top I mean, head. don't don't you think the team would be better with Romeo Quara on it? Yeah, oh, no, of no, I mean, no, yeah, 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 certainly yeah. somebody. Oh, like, D line yeah. and O line, I would just redshirt yeah. him unless you don't redshirt Aaron Lynch and Stephon to it. I mean, that's no. even no matter what program you have, yeah. you don't redshirt those guys. But, but everybody like else, you can. Trevor Laws. Justin Tuck. Hell yeah. Um, you know, those were fine red shirts. I, I think, yeah. I, Landry all I the way through. Yeah. Treating defensive ends like wide receivers in terms of how you deal with red shirts, I, I just don't understand that. It's really the one position. Everything else, I don't, I I can't pick out guys who are like, oh, I wish they wouldn't have played them. Like, there was a discussion on the board about Troy Pride. Well, he's the fourth best corner on the team, so you have to play. Or Chase Claypool. He's made it. He's made an impact on offense already, and he's one of their best special teams players. Yeah, and Chase Claypool is a guy that. What's his fifth year? I mean, if he becomes a we, there's no <laughs> chance a guy that athletic comes back. I mean, it's just not necessary. Yeah, he'll, he'll he'll be in the Olympics competing yeah. for a gold medal. The all time exception to this is Harrison Smith, and that's because his career got destroyed by different schemes and move, position yeah. movements and all that. And he yeah. made the right choice, obviously, and it worked sure. for him. But that's yeah. the exception. Long pause. I was going to say Blacksburn, but it's not. BLS Blacksburn. Oh, we're going to call Blacksburn. Will the recruiting net get bigger or look different now that BVG is out? Uh, It will look different. I don't know if it'll get bigger, and those two things might sound like they're at odds with each other. But, um, I mean, recruiting defensively, I think they just sort of are where they are. And I think the recruiting net probably cannot change until they hire a new defensive coordinator. Because um, if you're really recruiting for system-specific roles, you need a system first. And they don't know what their system is going to be. So is it going to change or get bigger probably in the next month or two? Probably not. Now, if they don't have a new defense coordinator hired by mid-December, then they got a problem. I don't think the process itself changes because Mike Elston organizes that. I think mm-hmm. we all agree he's done a really nice job with that. Mm-hmm. So the process... Continues now specific types of players, especially as it pertains to front seven guys or even cornerbacks and what style of corner that you're looking for. 
that will adjust as to what Pete's saying with, uh, you know, with regard to the, who the coordinator actually is. But um, Elston's running it. The process will be the same. I think it's a good process. Uh, we can almost assuredly say that whoever is the new defensive coordinator, he's going to try harder recruiting than Brian Van Gorder did. Yeah, it's, I think in the secondary, you're in a spot where you're playing all sorts of freshmen now. You only have two commitments next year. That's going to have to change. Now, are you suddenly going to say like, oh, well, we're only taking six foot two corners? Probably not. I hate, I hate those rules because Sean Crawford is five nine and great. Um, you know, could it change the way you look at safeties? Maybe, but the line their linebackers are the linebackers. You know, you're not gonna. I I, I can't imagine a situation where the new DC would come in and be like, well, you know, Kurt Heinish and Darnell Yule. I don't I don't know about those guys. Or um, geez, Donovan Jeter. Eh, I'm a little lukewarm on it. Like. Or, you know, Jonathan McAllister is the least regarded of that group. He's 6'4", 255. You can't find a role for a guy who's 6'4", 255? That just doesn't make any sense. The the new coordinator recruiting to whatever his type, that is self-defeating at this point because if Brian Kelly coaches four more years at Notre Dame, he ties the record for 11 years. And is the next defensive coordinator coming in and coaching for four more years at Notre Dame? That'd be hopeful. That's right, but but is it going past that? Probably not, right? Yeah. At Notre Dame, you're upwardly mobile in some way in this yeah. situation. Because I thought Bob Diaco would be with Kelly forever. And that's why they were recruiting to type yeah. and everything like that. But once you're switching defenses, as Pete, just get the best players. Just, I mean, the net should be the best players. If you yeah. can't make these athletes work, well, you're going to be 8-5 and five all the time. Yeah, we, start, we spend way too much time on profiles. Keaton 1W, what do you think the timing will be of the new defensive coordinator hire? I suppose it could depend on the firings of Strong and Mason as well as what Herman tends to do with Aranda and Orlando. I'm just trying to get a feel if the timing will allow the new hire to steal a late surprise in this recruiting cycle. It probably won't. Um, you know, they could hire a new DC today, and it probably will not allow them to have a steal late in the recruiting cycle. And you look at their quote unquote steals late in the recruiting cycle, very few of them have panned out. Uh, Kona Schwenke would be an exception to that. But for the most part, the guys that they're grabbing late are squad players for the next three or four years, uh, and they don't factor into the depth chart. So, I w- one, I would just adjust expectations down about a steal. Um, now, if their new DC is Charlie Strong, then maybe that would change. Yeah. Um, that's a big difference from Brian Van Gorder. Um, it's Derek Mason, probably not. It's Todd Orlando, probably not. If it's Dave Aranda... Doesn't matter because it'd be such a good defense. Yeah. <laughs> you can yeah. steal nobody. Um, you know, but I would say, look, if they're if they don't have a new DC in place by mid December, then I, I would have concerns about what's happening. Yeah, strong is the guy where that's a splash for every Potential recruit to be like, hmm. Well, hey, it's a head Aranda, coach. B, it's a Texas. Yeah, right. And Aranda, it doesn't matter because he's such a good, it doesn't matter if you steal anybody. That, that's the number one candidate. And yeah. then Strong, I mean, Strong would be great. I mean, it would fit, it fits Notre Dame. It's it's a, a splash hire. But then once again, you're not looking at a somebody like lifetime a, Somebody like a Mike Elko from Wake Forest is probably not going no. to turn a, a lot of heads, although he, he is a very good, good coordinator. Yeah. yeah. Now, I mean, and, and a call that mm-hmm. I would assume Brian Kelly would make, I don't know if it would be returned. But if they got if they somehow pulled a huge rabbit out of their hat and got somebody like a Brent Venables to come, that would be another name where you would be like, oh well, yeah, you could probably get a few few late steals on that yeah. one. Um, but it's how often do you see that that home run hire move? Uh, and it's and also I think 
Look, wow. if, if this is Brian Kelly's last DC, to hire Charlie Strong, he's going to be here for, what, a year? That's yeah. what I'm saying. Because he's going to be head coach somewhere. That, that could be Will Muschamp situation. Yeah. You get fired one place, you're a DC someplace for one year, and then you're head coach again. Um, so that that could be a situation. We'll what? we'll see. Well, you really you sport? really th- you. I mean, I don't see that because Will Will Muschamp was such a dominant defensive coordinator. And he got another shot as a head coach. Is Charlie Strong that guy? He, I'm not. I wouldn't sure. think he was a way better head coach. I think that's but he'd be two years. Strong. He'd be two years though. You think in Notre Dame, if not one? I don't think he would. I think he'd look for the perfect. I guess the perfect job could open in one year. Is what you're yeah. saying? Yeah. yeah, yeah. I mean, the way things are going in college football today, that the next really good job could open up immediately. He's still um, be open. Good yeah, exactly. So, it's um, we'll see. It's it's a tricky situation, but in terms of late steals, unless you're getting that superstar DC, it's very difficult. Statman seventy two. Did Kelly ha- hire an experienced defensive coordinator in an analyst role as a quote-unquote test drive of Greg Hudson's abilities, creating a viable replacement candidate in case BVG was fired before or at the end of the season? It was kind of a relationship of convenience because Hudson had been had been fired at, at Purdue. And I, I asked Brian Kelly about this the other day, and, he, and Hudson came back to Notre Dame and, I mean, just... I don't know what his prospects were at that at time, but came back to Notre Dame and um, you know he was there and Kelly picks his brain and they talk and I you know to answer the question yeah I mean to a certain extent because he's a eleven year Power Five conference uh, uh, coordinator well uh, FBS F- yeah FBS but um, yeah and I think you're going certainly you're going to see that more across the nation where analysts are hired. With the idea that, well, if this doesn't work out, this guy has some experience and we can tab him. Yeah, I think coaching depth is a real thing, too. It and is. And it worked in Notre Dame's favor there. Now, look, Brian Kelly never fired an assistant since his time at Notre Dame. Yeah, the, so, the fired before part doesn't count. Yeah, no, no way could you convince me that he hired Greg Hudson in case the defense blew up after four games and they had to get rid of right, BBG. Right, right. Like that I don't think is realistic. You don't think he saw Duke and thought, that's the cutoff right there. Yes. I'm going to get Hudson ready. <laughs> so, for me, they get this, this question. But has to, Brian, I get that. I ask this a lot. Yeah. But uh, do you guys feel that... Uh, Hudson will have two questions be on staff next year. Uh, on staff, I don't think so. I could see Hudson being on staff, but I don't as believe a position part. coach, right? Or as an analyst, as a, either. I just think he will be with the program next year. I don't think. Well, he's the. Fe- I mean, he's the feel-good story of the program right now, and so you know the players like him. Is we we've got the we've got the Ric Flair angle, and what what was the other Fresh gimmick Prince of in the Fresh Prince uh, angle? You know, I mean, I understand why that's happening now, but let's face it: when you, you know, when you settle in for an upcoming season, that kind of has to be put away. What What I would like to see is that the next DC comes in, the slate is completely wiped out on defense, and he gets to choose who stays. He gets to hire his own staff. He gets to pick out all his own guys, and if some of those guys are on staff now, great. Right. But if they're not. Then he gets to go get him. I, I I agree with that. Do you think that will happen? Uh not at a one hundred percent level. Right. Um, right. You know, could could like Mike Elston take over special teams and a new linebackers coach hired? Yeah, maybe. Um, but you know, the, especially in the defensive backfield, they just need to be so much better there than they are right now. I think Mike Elston will be on staff next year 
Oh, as long sure. as Brian Kelly's yeah. the head coach, they'll so, find, they'll so it's not a, a job yeah. for him. So re- other than him, it's not the one hundred percent. Yeah, but Brian Kelly will say Mike Elson's remaining. And I let's just work this out. I yeah. don't want to see another situation where the DC comes in. And they're like, "Here are your assistants." <laughs> yeah, they're like, "I don't know these guys. I don't." Yeah, know I mean, I it's it's tough with Brian Kelly. That's the way he's always dictated. It's amazing that Brian Van Gorder is the first coach that he's fired at Notre Dame in seven years. It's. What's more amazing that that's his first coach, or that he that it happened after four games? That it's incredible. <laughs> it's absolutely amazing that it happened after all the conversations <laughs> and the late night writing in Austin, and it's shocking yeah. that it happened. In that it could happen earlier. Uh, yeah, that's the key, though. I think. That's, I mean, yeah, there's he has to allow the new defensive coordinator to have yeah. autonomy other than Mike Elston, who's clearly going to be well. Part he's, of the staff, look, yeah. he's the recruiting coordinator. He's a good coach, right. and he's uh, been a special teams special coordinator. Teams, yeah. you know, he's coached tight ends, he's coached yeah. linebackers, he's coached defensive line. He's right. got a lot of skills that you would want to have. And look, if the NCAA decides to expand, which they proposed yesterday, to a tenth assistant, it coach, makes sense with fifty well, analysts. Come on, yeah, this, hello. Yeah, I mean, yeah. just you figure out a way. They else. need they they need more coaches. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they need more guys analyzing everything left and right. So, oh, but one more question on the Fresh Prince thing: What is the funny clip? You're going to show for the Christian McCaffrey preparation week or post Christian McCaffrey. You know this, or this is your speculation? No, I'm, I'm wondering. I'm wondering what funny thing you can do. What, after fun, you... what funny thing from the '90s that the players are like, "I wasn't alive." <laughs> I think you need a new yeah. approach when McCaffrey comes a, to town. To uh, I think something from Saved by the Bell, like um, you know, there's got to be some <laughs> Saved by the Bell clips you can work in there. DIP '98. In the spirit of BK's new play more guys approach, do you see Malik Zaire getting another shot at game reps? More specifically, taking some wildcat carries and thus hits away from Deshaun Kaiser. No. I feel like I mean, I don't think it's a bad idea. No, I don't either. It but certainly I think it's makes sense, but Zaire's probably not on board with it or he's not committed to it, so it's not worth it. I mean, we we were there at the Duke game, right? In the post game press conference. Yeah. When Brian Kelly right. said, You're not going to see that again. He softened a bit, though, saying how. Good of a week. There's only one way to go. <laughs> no, but yeah, that's true. But last week, he unless said he it was it. the only way he could have been harder on Malik Zaire. Was like, yeah, uh, we had a murder. That's like, a little. <laughs> different, that's a little different situation. This is just a, a, a straight shotgun snap run. It would make sense to do it, and it, and you know to preserve a hit or two on Kaiser over the course of a game. It would make that makes sense. You think it makes sense to snap it and have Malik Zaire run? Brian Kelly sees a guy that can throw the ball, snap it. Something crazy is happening. We're going to be easy. It's they are sort of maxing out on like how many more new guys can they play? Yeah, um, you know Chase Claypool, a few reps maybe. Um, Somebody was suggesting Tony Jones uh, recently. I don't know that that helps one. That no more that freshmen. The, yeah. No more freshmen. Dexter Williams plays more before Tony yeah. Jones. Plays. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you can get more than eight carries for Dexter Williams. I mean, there there are no guys in the secondary other than Perry and Morgan, which they should register both of them. If Dexter Williams gets Four carries this week. In I mean, lieu, in lieu of of Tari and Folston getting more carries, Pete's prediction won't be right if Dexter Williams gets four carries this week. Well, <laughs> the, I mean the, the twenty four, the twenty, the 24 could yeah. be true, but it yeah, really it's a, it would have it's all enough. For it's that all team. contingent on uh, yeah the defense playing out of their mind uh, and you know NC State not being ready for an uptick in athleticism, especially yeah. on the defensive line. Like I still would like to see Jay Hayes play more, Dalen Hayes play more. I don't know if there's a role really for Khalid Kareem to play more now because Bonner, even though he's kind of inside, has has looked good. Bonner played well last week. Yeah. I mean, this is not going to be a game of 85 snaps, so Rochelle can go 80, 85% yeah. of what you're out there. Um, 
So I I don't know. They're kind of running out of young guys to play. Asmar Bilal is pretty interesting last week. I mean, I think he's athletically superior to Coney at that position. Don't you see a significant dialing back, uh, partly because of who they're playing in the style of offense, but a significant dialing back of how many guys are getting shuffled in and out. I think four linebackers will play most of the game. Yeah. Not Bilal. Nothing against Bilal. Well, played fine, but I yeah, think d- you'll see Martini subbing for everybody. If you're if you're going against a team that's only going to run 65 plays, you don't need to rotate everyone to play that much. They had, last week, they had one guy hit 80, and that was Dante Vaughn. And then guys who hit 70, Luke, Fertitta, Morgan, and that's it. You know... You compare that against Texas, they had, I think, five guys over 85, um, and it was hot. So I think that you're going to have Vaughn snaps maybe go down um, in terms of percentage of them, but I do think Rochelle's will go up. I think Jay Hayes will go up. Dalen Hayes will go up. uh, And I still think the Bonner-Tillery rotation, I think, is a a positive development overall. and then at linebacker, I agree with what you're saying. I think that they'll rotate a lot less at linebacker yeah. this week because they just they don't need to do it. Can you imagine going into the first week of the season and somebody telling you that by the fifth game of the year, the three guys that had the most snaps are Niles Morgan, no surprise, Dante Vaughn, maybe a raise in my eyebrow, Nico Fertitta. Yeah. I mean, you just don't you don't expect. But that's the kind of start to the season it's been for Notre Dame's defense. Yeah, Niles Morgan got two more snaps than Nico Fertitta last week. On defense, wow. um, so yeah, it's in it. Look, it goes back to one of the things that Brian Kelly said on Tuesday that might be the best way to sum up this entire season is it's like week that was like week one all over again. So September, they are trying to flush that as quickly as possible and move on to the rest of the season. That's all they can really do, and that's all we can do on our podcast. So we're going to move on to uh, Raleigh. We'll have pregame instant analysis, postgame instant analysis. Hopefully, it won't be pouring rain. And we'll be back Monday for our next podcast. So thanks for listening to another edition of Irish Illustrated Insider.